thank you again for uh, the fine music and everything that was done this morning. Uh, we welcome each and every one of you back to our afternoon services, and we pray the Lord will bless just a couple of things, uh, like Brother Randy and Sister Nancy, I too am grateful to uh, all those that were able to come out yesterday and, and uh, make uh, Carol and Peter's uh, opportunity of a lifetime, if you will. I mean, Carol walked in like, what's this? And uh, it was really just an amazing thing to see that on her face. And she was just so thankful that we were willing to open up our doors and let that happen. And uh, the food was excellent. Uh, I filled up one plate. I want you all to know I had one plate and it was too much. It's still in the refrigerator. So I'm going to eat a little bit on that a little bit later today. Um, but I also want to say this, is that this coming Friday is going to be also very important for us as we welcome Brother Todd Marks in. And uh, we... Uh, don't want him to go without or his kids or his wife and so we want them to know that they are welcomed and uh, very excited to have them come with us as well and so once again as brother randy made a comment we do have some things that we're we're trying to get for them and if you'd like to give please let us know so we can do so finally there is this one other announcement it's a thanksgiving service that's going to be held down in uh, Plant City, Florida. Uh, this is going to be for Brother Hilly. Uh, as you know, they want to give a Thanksgiving, and it's over the weekend of the 6th, 7th, and 8th. The 6th being on a Friday. I may fly down and just spend one day with them or drive down one day. I'm not so certain yet. That's a long way to go. Uh, of course, I have family down that way, so I don't mind that. And uh, if you want to know what Plant City is all about, that's where they also have the Strawberry Festival. Strawberries are gone. I'm sorry. It just ain't going to happen this year, but uh, just so that everybody knows what that's all about. Let's take our Bibles. Let's go to the book of Acts chapter 2. And uh, we use this passage a lot. And I do because I still am trying to understand the fullness of Acts chapter 2. We're going to go down to verse 41. And this is the routine. And if you take a look at this, this is the Great Commission in action. And I, you know, so when you take the Great Commission of Matthew chapter 28, um, literally 18, 19, and 20, also Acts chapter 1, verse 7 and 8, you will find that this is everything in motion. Let's take a look and see if I'm not true. Um, in verse 41 it says, Then they that gladly received his word were baptized, and the same day there were added unto them about 3,000 souls. And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship and the breaking of bread and in prayers. And fear came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were done by the apostles. And they and all that believed were together and had all things common, and sold their possessions and goods, and part of them uh, to all men as every man had need. And they continued daily with one accord in the temple and breaking bread from house to house that eat their meat with gladness and singleness of heart, praising God and having favor with all people. And the Lord added to the church daily such as should be saved. Now what's interesting to me is that, you know, we have this blessing to come into this fine sanctuary and we have devoted this building over to the Lord God. And, you know, as I was thinking about, about this particular passage and this building, I thought, how much do we really resemble what happened in the book of Acts? 
Now, this is not a chide, and please don't take it that way, but I want us to think about how much that we can improve upon our service unto the Lord God. Now, I know that being in a farming community, that it's a, a challenge for us. In fact, I'll let you know this, that many years ago I lived in uh, England, and uh, one Sunday morning we got up and we were getting ready for services, and we were going to go into this uh, little town of Middleson, I think is what it was called, and which was near the air base, because I knew of a preacher that was of like faith and order that was there. And then I remembered, as we were getting ready to out the door, I said, they don't have services uh, until around 8 o'clock, or excuse me, until noon. I, I said 8 o'clock, but until noon. And this was already 9 o'clock, and, and we're already dressed, and you know, if you ever have a little one, trying to keep them neat from uh, that time to that time is not going to happen. And... Uh, you know, out of frustration, my wife said to me, I don't know why we're, we're getting up and getting ready if we don't have a place to go. And I said, well, every day when I go to work, I pass this little sign that says, Christ, Cascade Baptist Church. I said, let's just go there today. And we pulled up into the driveway, and here was a modern building. I mean, it was modern for English styles, all glass, all beautiful and everything. I said, Lord, I don't know if this is where you want me or not, but if you want us to come here, I said, then let the preaching be powerful. Let it be good. Let it be great preaching of the Word of God. I said, let the music really lift the roof right off of this, this place. But let it be also factual truth that we enjoy. When we came in, and as the habit of the English are, you go in and you sit down and you, you pray. You know, being American, what do we do? We, we come in, we go, hey, good to see you. How you doing? That's not the English way of doing things. Very somber, and this American didn't know what to think of that. But anyway, I, and that's when I prayed. I bowed my head for that reason. And the music was the, um, Brother Randy, you and I would have had a great time. I mean, literally, the organist started the music. You know, and literally when that organist came and she could change tempo and everything, and I went, wow. And the people, there was about 130 in the congregation, which can't be Baptist, right? And we lifted our voices up and we sang, and I mean, it was magnificent, just fantastic. And uh, the, the, I remember that they had the announcements, and one man stood up and he gave the announcements, had a beautiful baritone bass voice. Oh, good to have you with us today. May God bless you. I just felt right at home. And then the preacher came up to preach. And I don't remember if Brother Busby had to wear a black robe, which was very common, uh, you know, the, in the English way. But he preached a sermon on the doctrines of grace. And it was one of the best sermons I'd ever heard. And when we finished, I thought, why in the world did it take me so long to find this place? Right out of the King James Bible, everything was perfect. And I walked in the back and I said, hello. I said, my name is Mike Perry. He goes, hello, I say, you're an Englishman. You're not from England, you're from America. I just got back from America. And we just had the best time. He invited me over to the house. He thought I was 40 years of age. I was in my 20s. Because, you know, Anytime you go to church in America, you got to have that staunch look on your face so that you look automatically older, you know, no matter how you looked at it. And it was just amazing. And we ended up serving there for 17 months. But I remember that in, a, in that period of time, I grew wonderfully. And I could see the motions of Acts chapter 2, verses 41 through 47. I could see the motions of this particular passage. 
And while we didn't see eye to eye on everything, what was beautiful was that Brother Busby and I had become compatriots with it. In fact, I still love Brother Busby. He went home to be with the Lord a few years ago and uh, after suffering from uh, diabetes and like, and so his wife, Monica, I need to send her an email, let her know that I'm thinking about her, but how much of a blessing they were to me at that particular time. And that had nothing to do with the sermon today, but I've wondered, many times I have wondered, because of that opening and because of that beginning, what do people see when they come here? Do they find a hearty welcome? Yesterday, I mean, our parking lot was full, wasn't it? And I thought, man, how beautiful it would be if every Sunday our parking lot was full of automobiles as people couldn't wait to come in the door. No one was in a great big hurry to leave yesterday. We had fellowship, we had just enjoyment, you know, upon enjoyment, we really enjoyed ourselves. And then when it came time to clean up, I mean, every table was cleaned up, everything was done, and Brother Randy, I think, you made the comment that we were done by 7 o'clock. So in a two-hour period, everything was ready. But even more so, my thoughts were, Lord, what is it that you would have for us to do? So today, I want us to learn the value of our daily walk. And that's the title that we're having, Valuing Our Daily Walk. And we're going to take it from this passage. Let's ask the Lord to be with us. Again, Lord, we want to thank you for your blessings to us as a people. And I pray, Father, that as we study the word together, that you will guide us and bless us. Lord, we've already studied eschatology a little bit today, and every moment that we have is an amazing thing to us. But even more so, Lord, I pray that you will help us to grasp the things that are given. Help us, to, Father, to be faithful. Help us to walk before you in the righteousness that you alone can give. And help us, dear Father, to understand what you would have for us today. Let us wait upon you. Lord, while we have many things that we could go ahead and be in the mindset of and, and want to press ahead with this sermon, Lord, the moments we have in preparation are so valuable. Whether it is in the time of prayer or in the time of studying, whatever it may be, Lord, let us wait upon you for the direct answer that only you can give. Lord, you know that we as a congregation want to grow, but we ask you to help us to understand what growth really means. Help us to understand what you allow the apostles to know. Help us, dear Father, to study and to depend upon the work of the Holy Spirit to guide us in all truth as we study the Word of God together. May we be your people in this presence, in this time, and Lord, may others come to see us as your people, for it's in Christ we pray. Amen. I value this particular passage of the Word of God because there are so many things that I am learning each and every day. I want to show you something, and we're going to do a little bit of a Bible study as we go in, but I'd like for you to turn back to verse 15 of chapter 1 for a moment. And as we enter into this particle, there was one thing that that amazes me. And you know, one of the things that I remember, uh, Brother Tom Fogel and I, we would sit down and sometimes discuss, how big was the church at Jerusalem? And one of the things that came up was verse 15 of Acts chapter 1. And it said, in those days, Peter stood up in the midst of the disciples and said, the number of names together were about 120. Now, the question came up, was there 120 members, or was there the original 12? I don't know. I'll, when we get to heaven, we can ask the Lord to be sure. 
But the one thing is, they all entered into this upper room. They had been distinct followers of Christ. And when it's interesting, when they went up into that upper room, one of the first things that happened was they had to, uh, to elect a replacement apostle. The only time that you ever see someone that was elected to replace Judas Iscariot, who had killed himself and how that he had hung himself and the branch broke and his bowels were poured out upon the ground. And so at that particular time, they began to pray and to ask the Lord to give them the direction. And there were two men that were being selected. One was Matthias and the other one was Joseph. And the, the, the light, if you will, upon the vote fell upon Matthias. And, you know, let's put it this way. When we are electing or asking someone to come in and lead us and bless us and watch over or be numbered amongst us, we really take into account who they are and what they, what they mean to us. So by the time that you see Acts chapter 2 verse 41 and you begin to see the preaching or the reaction to the message, there was a natural reaction because they had already seen with their ears and had heard for themselves the things that were given. So let's go back to Acts chapter 2 verse 41. And notice what it says, Then they that gladly received his word. Now here's the amazing thing. The word that was being preached to them was the very word of God from Peter. Now understand, we are blessed to have within our lap a Bible. Everyone I think has a Bible. And one of the things I used to do was constantly try to remind young people to keep their Bibles with them. And the reality is is that uh, when we would go to youth camp, one of the things we would sing is the B-I-B-L-E, yes that's the book for me, I stand up. a little bit, especially for those people that forgot their Bibles. The B-I-B-L-E, yes, that's the book for me. They would stand up and have to sing a special. And if they didn't have a Bible, they better scurry around and find one. We have plenty in the uh, chapel area that we were there. But think about this for a moment. There was an instilling of the Word of God. I remember Brother Willard Pyle many years ago saying, how many of us could take right now and write the Bible if our Bibles were all taken away from us? Now that's pretty amazing, isn't it? I know that there are certain passages that mean a lot to me, but do you know that for the Jew, they really held on to the Word of God? Let's go back and let's see if I'm not right about that. Let's go to the book of Deuteronomy. Now, understand this. is The book of Deuteronomy, as we know it, was given to the Jews. We're going to go to chapter 4, by the way. And this was probably the last 70 days that Moses had with the Jewish people before he would go up on Mount Pisgah and there watch as the children of Israel went over into the promised land. But here in chapter 4, there is a charge to the people. Look at verse 9. Only take heed to thyself and keep thy soul diligently. In other words, this is a responsibility. There's a lot of responsibilities that are given in uh, the Old Testament to the, the people, and one that should be carried on by us as well. Only take heed to thyself, and to keep thy soul diligently, lest thou forget the things which thine eyes have seen. Now, can we really... I mean, it was interesting that Brother Randy 
would talk about this one lady that she was ready to go home to be with the Lord. You are a witness to that particular thing. We are blessed because of that witness. Don't forget it. Don't forget it. Take, take the things which thine eyes have seen, and lest they depart from thy heart all the days of thy life, but teach them unto thy sons and thy sons' sons. Let's go over to chapter 6. And in chapter 6, we're going to go down to verse 5. And I want you to see, again, the power of the same thing. Notice what it says. And thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thine heart, with all thine soul, and all thine heart. Do you know that the Lord used that same verse in Matthew chapter 22, but instead of might, he said mind. In other words, the, the entirety of your body should be given over to the Lord God. Verse 6. And these words which I command thee this day shall be in thine heart. Notice, where do we have to hide them? In the purified, clean, brand new heart that we have. And thou shalt teach them diligently. Meaning, don't give it up. Don't let go. that I see of someone who truly when we were in fellowship Brother Matthew and I you know, we, we, we enjoyed each other's fellowship but we talked about other brothers who might need our prayers and I said you know I don't have Travis Votal's uh, actual address I'd, I'd like to get a hold of Brother Travis he's over at Salem Missionary Baptist Church in Grayson I said let's bring him in let's make sure that he knows that we'll have Brother Todd Marks in I said I want to make sure that we get that message out to him but even more so folks we should always be teaching our children and our grandchildren, everyone we have the opportunity to teach, and let them see the light. Don't forget it. And so everybody... My dad used to tell the story how that he had an uncle that he used to plow the fields one day, and he never heard him curse, never heard him say anything wrong, and one day he got angry and he cursed. And right then and there, he fell to his knees and he asked God to forgive him. And Dad said, I have never forgotten that. Never. Do you realize that the testimony that is in your heart will bear record all the days of your life? And I get this. The Jewish people, especially the men, were required to know the Torah. And that's what they were going to be tested on at the age of 12. Why do you think Jesus sat with, the with these men, these wise men, these Sadducees, these Pharisees, these religious rulers. Why do you think he was sitting with them and confusing them with his questions and answering their questions as well? Because the Lord God was proving himself that he was the Lord God, that he already knew the answers. He was passing his bar mitzvah better than any one of us ever passed it. In the same time, now I want you to get this, Peter is literally telling them, Without the Word of God in hand, maybe he had a little bit of it, but he was able to quote to them not only the prophets, not only the Torah, but all passages. You don't believe me? Look at this. Go to the book of Acts chapter 2, and let's go all the way down, and I want you to see what he had to say in verse 14. And notice what he said. But Peter standing up, with the eleven, lift up his voice and said unto them, Ye men of Judea, 
And all ye that dwell in Jerusalem, be this known unto you, and hearken to my words. For these are not drunken, as you suppose, seeing that it is but the third hour of the day. But this is that which was spoken by the prophet Joel. Do you realize at that very moment, there were many of the Jews that did not believe what the prophets had to say. But at that very moment, Peter gave credence. He was not only quoting what Jesus Christ had given, but he was now speaking specifically of an event. Look what it says in verse 17. And it shall come to pass, this is from the book of Joel, did Peter have... servants and all my handmaids I will pour out in those days of my spirit uh, and they shall prophesy and I will show wonders in heaven above and in signs in the earth beneath blood and fire and vapor of smoke the sun shall be turned to darkness and the moon into blood before the great and noble day of the Lord come do you realize that this man most unlikely gave them the quote out of the book of Joel. And why the Jewish people could understand that? Because everyone that was there also heard that, and they knew that because it was Scripture. And I read these things, and I'm going, man, I wish I knew more of the Word of God. And the older you get, <laughs> i got news for you, it's harder to retain. I had that said to me when I was young, I went... <laughs> you got to be kidding me. No, it's true. As you get older, what's your name? Anyway, you forget who you are. I mean, you forget a lot of things that are written in Scripture, and it requires more study. So when you find this over in chapter, when you find this in chapter 2, and by the way, let me just say this to you. One of my prayers that I oftentimes offer is, Lord, give me a youthful mind. I believe that the answer to Alzheimer's is a youthfulness of mind. And you know, when we spend our time with God, we also are not corrupted by the things of this world. Lord, I don't need this world, but I definitely need you. And so at that very moment, after they had received the word of God, and you know, there's many controversies that are there. And many people say, well, you've got to be baptized to be saved. Now, get away from it. Look at what we find in verse 41. Then they that gladly received his word were about which we're going to have not too long from now. We're going to have the baptismal waters, and I pray that it is just the best baptismal service we ever had. This goes back to England again. Brother Brian Brown was a, a man who was, uh, you know, not completely like the way we believe, but he was a dear man of God. And I remember the first time that I met Brian Brown. And he goes, and I went, I said, Brother Brian, I said, my name is Mike Prater. He goes, Oh, he's from America. Oh, oh, bless you, brother. And he held on my hand while he just gave the best blessing over top of me. And I went, just, just, just hold my hand. 
That's all I care about. Just keep holding, man. I'm, I'm, I'm with you. But there was an exuberance in his voice. There was a desire. He was from Wales. He was from Wales. And I just couldn't get enough of this man. I wanted to know more about the, the church he grew up in in Wales. He goes, oh, I'm not anything like the people from Wales. I didn't care. But you know the thing is, he did a baptismal service for the church there at Ipswich. And he literally made each baptism special. Can we make our baptism special? It is with great joy that I get to baptize Gracie. And I want you to know that I want her to hear it. I want her to know how blessed it is going to be to not only bring her into the baptismal waters, but to get her to not only to the depths of the water in the lightness of the grave, to be raised in the newness of life to the embrace of a fellow brother. I guarantee you, every one of us want to see that as well. Now, here's the thing that's interesting. How many people had to be baptized that day? I thought about this. If those apostles, each one of them, had a hundred people they baptized, they would still have to have 1,800 more to be baptized. In one day. We don't know how many they baptized, but here's the thing. That was just the beginning of the story. And this is one of the things that really began to perplex me. Lord, am I doing enough to make this happen? In Acts chapter 4, verse 4, we also see that there were more that were being saved. And we see this in verse 4, and it says, How many of them which heard the word believed, and the number of men was about 5,000. Guess what? You have 5,000. You know, you can tell people, go to the church of your choice or in synagogue of your choice. No! But let me just say this. What makes the appeal that people want to come in? Yesterday, as people came in, and I know not everybody was saved that came in yesterday, but what did we leave as a testimony? What did, did we leave a bit of ourselves in the message that, of, the, of all the people that were here? I know that they got to see just for a moment what we were like. Maybe me as a pastor. But can you imagine if people come in and you had a sign that said, come on in, anytime, anytime you want to come in. And we'll sit down and we'll break the word of God together. Is that not scriptural? Take a look at me. Let's go back to Acts chapter 2 again. And notice what it said in verse 42. And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine. That's not just the apostles. That's everybody. Isn't that amazing? Now, as an apostle, I'm sure they couldn't wait to teach. As a pastor, I should not be afraid to teach or be a present every time that the people want it. I love the opportunity to teach the Word of God. Brother uh, Mike Dixon, who, or Mike Dixon, he and I were uh, teachers, fellow teachers back in the uh, community college, college days. And I remember that Mike just sent me a message wishing me a happy birthday. And Mike made this statement. He goes, I sure miss teaching. I don't miss the electronics teaching, but I sure love teaching regularly the Word of God. 
Nothing is better than to be sitting down or to talk with young people and say, what's your question? You know, think about the best Sunday school hour you've ever had. It wasn't someone standing up behind the pulpit. It was questions that were being asked and people wanted to know the answers and everybody chimed in. That study, whether you like it or not, I learned many times I'd be riding in the back seat of my dad's car and there would be the preacher and dad and, and they would have converse between the two of them and it was fantastic. I learned at that very moment. And the fact of the matter is, when we are looking at continuing steadfastly, it means constantly. Do you realize that when Paul told Timothy to be instant in season and out of season, it means continuously ready. That means I'm devoted to the Word of God. That means that when I'm standing up, I'm not only studying and making notes, I have to be one step ahead anticipating the questions that other people might ask. And I'm going to tell you something, folks, and hear me out. Sometimes the answer is I don't know. It is better to say I don't know and go back and study it than to try to buffalo yourself through a situation because people will see right through that. The thing that I love about this is that they continued steadfastly. Can you imagine? Was there a building big enough for them? Did they go up on a hillside and hear the word of God as it was being instructed to them by the apostles? Did Peter take so many over here, John so many over there, James over so many over there? Can you imagine someone running up and going, I'm sorry I'm late? And they said, well, just sit down and just enjoy yourself. Come on, folks. Let's be real. They were together. But wait a minute. The Holy Spirit wasn't done yet. Then came the one day that Peter and John walked by and here was a man begging for alms. And in chapter 4, verse 4, one of the things he asked was, alms, what did Peter say to him? Silver and gold have I none, but such as I have give I unto thee, get up. That's Mike's, Mike Prater's paraphrase. I don't think he kind of struggled and looked like someone who was trying to do a, a monster dance. I believe he got up. I imagine he got straight up and his knees were solid and he got up and he, and how much so? He went in dancing. Oh, I know he wasn't Baptist because he was dancing. I tell people, man, I'm going to tell you what, the moment that you come to know Christ as your Lord and Savior, you're so full of emotion you don't know what to do. Case in point, look at the Ethiopian eunuch. He was praising God. We don't know what that meant. We don't understand praise. You know, when you think about the songs we sing, sometimes we, we don't really understand what caused the person to write that song. Praise Him! Praise Him! Jesus, our blessed Redeemer. Why did He write that music? He wrote it because it meant something to Him. Not only that, but I want you to consider this. The need is there also for us to prepare others for the work ahead. I want you to get this. You can keep your place here. We'll, we'll try to get back. But I want us to go to the book of Titus. Now, I know that our time is fleeting away, but we're going to keep going until we're done. In the book of Titus, we can go all the way down to verse 4, and I want you to see two words that are there. And, and these are amazing words. To Titus, my own son, after the common faith, grave, grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father, and of the Lord Jesus Christ our Savior. For this cause left I thee in Crete, 
that thou shouldest set in order the things that are wanting, and ordain elders in every city as I appointed thee. Now, here's the thing that bothered me. Why is it that, the, that Paul said, Titus, I've got a job for you to do. I want you to teach men to be pastors. I think every, every individual has a responsibility to be a pastor. I think every man is going to come to a place in his life that he's going to ask this question, am I called of God or not? But do you realize the power of the church? One of the things that I love about this church is that they were looking for a pastor, but they wanted to set everything in order. Remember that, Randy? I remember that one of the first things that was handed to me was this book that was laid out, which was the Articles of Faith. And once again, it was adopted by the church. And this is what we believe. This is what we surround ourselves with. That's amazing. That's good stuff. Look what else it says. In verse 6, If any be blameless, the husband of one wife, having children not accused of riot or unruly, for a bishop must be blameless and the steward of God, not self-willed, not soon angry, not given to wine, no striker, not given to filthy lucre. Now I want you to go back. There's two words. One is elder. The word elder, and I went in, I didn't write these down as far as the Greek goes, but I did do my study on them. One of the things I found about an elder was something that was pertaining to the Jews many years ago. That was a common term. And so the elder was someone who was looked upon because they were respected for where they believed. Another term that they used, so right along with the elder, was the word rabbi, apt to teach. He was a teacher. And so when you take a look at, you know, even Jesus was called rabboni, meaning teacher. But think about this. A teacher is one that he has the responsibility over the congregation. But I'm not the only one. Now get this. Here's what's beautiful. An elder teaches, but you have a group of elders that keeps a watch. That's what the word bishop means. The word bishop, and, and I looked at this again, and I, again I looked it up, I didn't write down the Greek word, is a monitor of the church. Every man in this church should be a monitor of this church. Isn't it cool? Not just given to the deacons, but the responsibility to grow up in the faith means you have to become mature enough to be the leader and to watch it. We, we had a good case in this. Last week, when, when, or a week or so ago, when Gracie came up and she presented herself to be a baptismal candidate, what, you know, I forgot the very least principle, and that was to bring her under the watch care of the church. That is, that is an old Baptist tradition. It really is. And I had to be reminded of it. I forgot. Yes. And a bishop is one. It's not a title per se that it will... Um, a bishop prayer. And right over there is Bishop Randy. How, how would you like that, Brandy? Walk around in a big red cloak all the time? Oh, I'm sorry, that's carnal. But anyway, or is it carnal? But anyway, one of the things we look at all the time, <laughs> you know, I'm going to tell you this. When I was younger and I saw the word carnal, I kept thinking carmel. 
that's how far gone I was. But you know, the reality is, is that the truth of the matter is, the order of the church is always given to us. Even if you go over to First or First Timothy chapter three, we see the same order. I'm going to show you a little book. I love this little book. This is called uh, the Hiscock Standard Baptist Manual, and I think it was that I was already in the in Jackson, Ohio, when I found it in a little bookstore, like for fifty cents, and it has been just valuable. I have many books upstairs. Anyone who's ever gone into my library, good luck. But anyway, the reality is, is that when you go in, there's so many books, but this little book tells us the standard. And someone had the audacity or the foresight to write down what a church should do. When starting a church, when receiving someone for baptism, for holding the Lord's Supper, it's all in this book. And every now and then, I have to go back to one of these little books, or I've had people come up and they say, oh, boy, I wish we had a little book for ourselves. I would say, well, let's see if this one's there. It's even got an IBS code, or IBSN code in the back. But the reality is, is that there are so many things that are Baptist distinctives that we forget. Now, imagine that this was instructed all the time. Now, I'm going to show this to you. Watch this. So not only do we have the responsibility to prepare men for the ministry, we have the responsibility to prepare all for the Word of God. Look what it says. In verse 42, And they continued steadfastly fastly in the apostles' doctrine, and in fellowship, in the breaking of bread, and in prayers. Now, there are two things that are there. This is Acts chapter 2, verse 42, verse 43. And fear came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were done by the apostles, and all the positions and goods and part of them to all and they continued. Here's the thing, and, and I'm going to ask later on, I'm sure this church, I want you something to think about, giving me permission just to let people come in and enjoy some fellowship and some study, and some learning together. Not to change, but to be able to teach. Now, understand, there's a big responsibility. And I don't mind doing it outside, sitting on the steps. But the reality is, is that whenever we have the opportunity, we are presenting the Word of God. But here's the thing that's beautiful. Look what it says in verse 46. And they continue daily with one accord. That's, that's hard to believe that a Baptist church would be in one accord. And the temple and the breaking of bread. You know what that means? They ate together. They enjoyed each other's company. And they studied the word of God together. Why was that necessary? Because persecution was coming. Look what we see in chapter 8. And I want you to go over there with me real quick. We're almost finished for this morning. After the stoning of Stephen by a man by the name of Saul of Tarsus. He cut in, got re responsibility to go even unto death to uh, persecute the church. Notice what it says in verse 1. And Saul was consenting unto his death. And at that time, there was a great persecution against the church which was at Jerusalem. And they were all scattered. But notice where they went. Abroad throughout all the regions of Judea, what did the Lord tell them to do in Acts chapter 1, verse 8? After you go to Jerusalem, go to Judea and Samaria, except the apostles. 
the church remained. One of the things I tell people this is that if you don't believe that the church remained, you don't know 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 27 and 28. It said that the apostles were added to the church first. The church remained. And devout men carried Stephen to his death and made great lamentations over him. As for Saul, he made havoc of the church, entering to every house and hailing uh, and hailing men and women, or hauling men and women, uh, committed them to prison. Let's go to one other place. Let's go to Acts chapter 9, and I want you to get this, in verse 1. And Saul was breathing out threatenings and slaughter against the disciples of the Lord, and went to the high priest and desired of him letters to Damascus. And the synagogue said, If he found any of this way, whether they were men or women, he might bring them bound into Jerusalem. And as he journeyed, he came to, near to Damascus, and suddenly there shined round about him a light from heaven. Saul was going to be saved. And the messages that these people had carried with them was amazing. But I'll watch this now, and I want you to get this. When all was said and done, let me turn my page here so you can see this as well. He was able to carry the message, but bring peace at the same time. Let's take a look at this. Let's go down to Acts uh, chapter 9, and let's go down to verse 31. And then the churches had rest throughout all Judea, and Galilee, and Samaria. Where did the Lord tell the church to go? These very same states, these very same places... And then after Saul was saved, there was peace. But the work continued. And the fear of the Lord in every, you know, and, and they, excuse me, Samaria, and were edified and walking in the fear of the Lord and the comfort of the Holy Ghost were multiplied. One last passage, and I want you to see this. How much more did the Lord bring to these people? Let's go to chapter 11. Let's go down to verse 21, if you will. Look what else it says. Well, let's go to verse 19. And then they that were scattered abroad upon the persecution that arose about Stephen traveled as far as Phoenice and Cyprus and Antioch, preaching the word, but none to the Jews only. And some of them which were of Cyprus and Cyrene, which when they were coming to Antioch, spake unto the Grecians, meaning the Gentiles, preaching the Lord Jesus. And the hand of the Lord was up with them, and a great number believed and turned unto the Lord. This is the first evidence that the Gentiles really are, as a great people, beginning to believe. Then tidings of these things came to the ears of the church which was at Jerusalem. Who does that mean? The apostles. And I love this part. And they sent in them Barnabas. His real name was Joseph. By the way, his name meant son of consolation. That he should go as far as Antioch who when he came and had seen the grace of God was glad and and with purpose of and he was a good man full of the Holy Ghost and of faith and much people was added unto the church then departed Barnabas to Tarsus to seek Saul and when he had found him he brought him to Antioch and, there came, and it came to pass that a whole year they assembled themselves with the church with the church, with the congregation that had been established. And the disciples were first called Christians. Don't you love it? 
the evidence of faith is found in the Word of God. I love it, my friends. God's not done with us yet, is He? He's not done with us yet. But we should always ask Him to show us how that we might be better used of Him. Whether it's in Antioch, whether it's here in Cerrito, wherever we may be, that we may be the men of God that He would have us. Once again, I want to thank you for the opportunity to present the Word of God. Let us be faithful unto Him in all things. Father, again, thank you for your blessings. Help us now to be faithful unto you. Bless this time as we close together. For it's in Christ we pray. Amen. Brother Randy, Sister Brenda, if you'll come forward.